people that do like full-time Christian work. Look, every single person in this room, let me ask you this question. If you are in full-time Christian work, raise your hand. Since everybody's in full-time Christian work, really, just raise your hand. Everybody in this room's in full-time. Who's a Christian in this room? Who's a part-time Christian in this room? Raise your hand. Who's a full-time Christian in this room? Raise your hand. Then guess what? Raise your hand. You are in full-time Christian work. Raise your hand. You are. Listen, there's no part-time. Renee's laughing, but it's true, isn't it, Renee? Look, there's nothing part-time about our life. There's nothing about segmentation of our life. This is Christian and this is not Christian. Everything about our life is Christian. It's Christ. Everything has to be in the understanding of everything that I do. Like we spoke this morning. I've got to do it for the glory of God. And you know what? If you think about it, that is the wonderful thing about the Christian life. We don't act Christian just when we go to church. We, we don't just... At Christian when we're talking to people about Jesus. We are Christian, therefore, that's what we are. Therefore, we live out that life. And that's why it's such a wonderful idea to realize that we are living this Christian life in three areas, aren't we? Can you think of where, what areas of life do you live the Christian life? Okay, let's look at it this way. Tell me some areas of your life. Give, give me, where, where do you live your life? Work. Okay. Where else do you live your life? Home. Home, work, okay. Home and work. Where else do we live our life? School. Could, could classify that as work. It, the outside the home, school, work place that we spend a great deal of our time either earning money or learning to earn money. So, yes. Where else do we live our life? Church. Okay. We worship together with believers. Where else do we live our life? Let me ask you a question. Um, I'm going to put you on the hot seat, Sheila. Because <laughs> I think I know the answer. Sheila, what do you do? What do you like to do in your spare time? Like in your off work, like just to have fun. What does Sheila love to do to have fun and play? Okay, knitting. Sorry? So yes, Sudoku, the crossword puzzles. Alex, what do you like to do in your spare time? Like uh, like do you have a hobby or what do you do to do leisure stuff with? He's working on that. He's working on anybody, anybody do anything outside of where you live, outside of your home, outside of your workplace? Do you ever do anything leisurely, like ride a bike, take a walk? Uh, do you know what I like to do in my leisure time? Eat. What did you say, Christina? Sleep. Uh, no, I don't do a whole lot of that. Ask my family. The sleep's not a real major part of my life. Um, it's minor. Uh, I like to eat. Here's the point. 
there, there's also another place that not everybody, but a lot of people live their life. And it's what we call a third place. Or it's what we call our leisure or play. See, we are constantly in one of three places. We're in the place where we live. We're with our family. That's where we eat, sleep, drink, do our taxes, that kind of thing. You know? That's where we live. Then a place that we spend a, a great deal of our time is where we work. So we go 9 to 5 or and like 24-7 sometimes and, you know, killing mice and sucking out their brains and stuff and trying to figure out answers. Uh, it's where you work. But we also have another place. It's where we play. You know, it's where we go maybe have a hobby and or maybe do leisure for, for my family, or at least a good portion of my family right now, our third place or our leisure place is the gym. And um, yes, Gloria, we've been going to the gym. And uh, we, we've got our family into weightlifting. And Jacob and Felicity are doing Olympic weightlifting where they put the bar over their head. And don't ask me to do it because that's not how you do it because it hurts. But they do that. And Lisa and I have taken up uh, powerlifting, just, just lifting weights to get our body in better shape. And it's helped me with my birth defects greatly. But that's where we play. So let me ask you a question. Where in one of those three areas? Because most of life will always fit in live, work, and play. Most of our life will do that. So where do we not live Christ-like? Never. We are always to live out the Christian faith. Therefore, if you think about it, you might not be like me where you're a paid worker for the gospel. You, you know, my job is pastoring, but my life is Christian, right? Now, Marcy, what's your job? I know what it is, but I don't know the technical. Okay, she's an She's an application radiologist software person, okay? That's what she does Monday through Friday, morning till night, you know, 8, 10 hours a day, give or take, or whatever. But within that and outside of that, she's still a believer in Christ. So no matter what we do, our full-time occupation is a follower of Jesus in everything we do. And so whether we live, work, or play, those places, we are to live out Christ and to show out Christ, live for His glory. And so what we, what we talked about and read last week is this, that we don't do this thing called Christian life on our own. When we are saved, we are enabled and equipped and endued with the presence and Spirit of God. Paul, the apostle, uh, I love 1 Timothy 1.12, if, if you want to look up that verse, because without my reading glasses, it might take me a few days. Can you pop 1 Timothy 1.12? You'd say, well, Pastor, how can you read your notes and not find stuff in your Bible? Because my notes are on an iPad, and I bumped up the font, so I can see it. 1 Timothy 1.12, Paul said this, and I thank Christ Jesus, I quote it before it gets up there. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. For that economy faithful, putting me into the ministry. 
Paul's understanding of how he could do what he did was not because Paul worked hard. And it wasn't because of Paul's efforts. That word enabled in the original language means to give the power to do. Paul realized that his power to do his ministry, his work, his life's calling was due to Jesus Christ. Claire and, and Emily and Sheila and Marcy and Stevie and Alex and Faye, everybody in this room, you have been enabled to do your calling by the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's what we learned last week. And then we read Galatians 5, 1 through 16. Now, I'm not going to read the whole of Galatians 5, 1 through 16, except for verse 16. Because that's the key of what we are to do. Listen, when, when we first met Anna, uh, you had come a couple of weeks before, I think, while we were away in Armenia. But when we first met you, man, there was something that was effervescent about you. Just like, like when I just said hi to you, because I didn't see you, I don't think, before we started church this morning. And so I just said hi to you back there, and you were like, hi. I mean, there is just a bubbliness and an effervescence about your, your, your spirit and inside of you. I see Christ. And when we first talked to you, the words out of your mouth when I first met you was, you know, Things like you're saved and you love God and you love the Word of God and you want to serve Him and you want, to, you want your life to be about that. And you made recent decisions, Anna, about your job situation and, and where you were going to be living and working and doing based upon how close it was to church and where you could better serve the Lord. That is what Galatians 5 is talking about in verse 16. It says this, so I say, and all of the things that can happen in your life, and all of the things that are going on, and all of the temptations, and all the battles, everything. So here's what I say to you. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. What a profound statement. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. What is to guide our life? God's leading. That word, let let the Holy Spirit, it means in Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit. So we say walk in the Spirit, and we have this idea that, okay, to walk in the Spirit, i got to do all these things, right? If I say to you walk in the Spirit, the Bible says um, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of flesh. When I say that to you, what do you think walking in the Spirit means? Anybody? Get, get, let's talk about this. What does Walking in the Spirit means you. What comes to your mind? Anybody? What do you think? Renee, you've got 10 seconds. I'm going to put you on the spot, so start thinking. All right? Because you're going to be going a while rehabbing, so i got to really get on you now before that happens. So you got five seconds. But anybody, what do you think it is to walk in the Spirit? They're not going to answer now, Renee, because they're going to wait for you. Someone, I thought... Okay, whole life is to walk in the Spirit. Practically speaking, what does it mean? Say it again. One more time. Live by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? To walk by the Spirit doesn't mean that we 
have to like, you know, read a lot of our Bible or pray a lot or put it this way. A lot of people will say, okay, to walk by the Spirit of God, you read your Bible, pray to God, be in church, you know, do all these things. But actually, walking by the Spirit is an outcome of living in the Spirit. And walking by the Spirit simply means let the Holy Spirit guide your life. We are to be in everything that we do, where we live, where we work, where we play. We are to be led by the Spirit of God. Why? We are to be led by the Spirit of God so that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh, so we do not fulfill the drawing of our temptations, the temptations that we have, you know, those drawings there. We're not to fulfill them. So in order not to fulfill them, to fall into them, to satisfy those lusts of the flesh by doing the things it's tempting us to do, we are to be led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says, let the Holy Spirit guide your life in everything that you do, where you live, where you work, where you play. Now I'll say this, and I, I hope to try to illustrate something. I, I don't know if many of you have been keeping up with what's been happening in, happening in the United States lately about the Senate and the... Um, Kavanaugh and the Supreme Court nomination. Anybody? Okay. Handful of people. I'm not going to say anything about that. But because I'm an American, wherever I go, people ask me, you know, what do you think about your presidents? What do you think about this that's going on? And what do you think about that? And the people that we lift with at the gym... We've become friends with some of them, especially Lisa, and she's on social media with them. And yesterday morning before we went to our club, um, a couple of them posted some articles and some really rough statements about the situation and about the people involved and about the, the, the U.S. and about the government, about a lot of stuff. And Lisa and I kind of saw it at the same time, and we got together and said, we need to pray about our response. And fortunately, they didn't ask us, ask us what we thought or believed. But I know that for the young ladies that are in that powerlifting club with Lisa, I know what they think because they've been posting about it all, all throughout the last week or two. So, what am I to do? And what's Lisa to do? We are to be led by the Spirit of God. I am not here for, poli for political reasons. I am not here to propagate the culture of the United States. I am not here to talk to you about the president or what they believe over there. I am here as a um, propagator of the gospel, but probably even more importantly, I'm here as a Christian. And so what am I to do? I said, Lord, I don't know what to do or say to them when I get in there. I don't know how to deal with this situation because, Lord, my ultimate goal is to talk to them about Christ. That's what you need to remember. Where you live, where you work, and where you play, where we are doing these things. 
Our ultimate goal is to tell them about Christ. It's to tell them about a Savior. It's to share Jesus with them. It's to show them how beautiful our God is. They get a description of our God from the world and from Christianity that is wrong. Don't, doesn't the world do that? Don't they get a description of a false God of who we believe in? <laughs> Kenneth Copeland, Hagee, uh, uh, the dude with the big teeth and the smile. Hybels. Hybels? No. Uh, Osteen. Yeah. All those guys. I forget their names. I can describe them. They give our world a false representation of the glory of God differently. So what we're to do is to be living in the Spirit of God, being guided by the Spirit of God. And when we left yesterday, I know that a couple of the young ladies are in a, a weightlifting competition this Saturday. And I went right up to them. They don't believe in God. One's a Mormon. One's an absolute atheist. Um, they, they are really angry about this situation in the States. And they're just it's vehemently saying it on social media. And I went up to them as I was leaving and, and all. And I said, hi. And I called their name out. And I said, look. And I whispered so, you know, the whole world isn't hearing what I'm saying. But so they wouldn't be embarrassed, not so much me. And I said, look, I know you're in the competition next week. I know it's on Saturday. Lisa and I are praying for you guys. We're praying that you lift heavy and, and lift strong. It's a powerlifting terminology. Lift heavy, lift strong. And I said, if you lift like you train you will do great, and I'm so excited for you, and I, I cannot wait to hear the results of your competition, and man, I just hope you are blessed and all that, and, and again, I said, we are praying for you, and I left, and when I left, I watched the look on their face, and it was lit up. They weren't thinking about Kavanaugh or Trump or the U.S. They were just thinking, that dude is really weirdly different. Right? So what am I saying to you? If we are to live like God has intended us to live, we are to live by the leading, by the guiding, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because, do you know what we're supposed to produce? This is why I don't talk about politics to anybody. This is why I don't ever talk about the country that I'm from being greater than another country. I don't ever say that. I know people that would come here and say, oh, America is the greatest country in the world. And I'm sitting back thinking, I don't know. I'm thinking England's pretty great. I have the freedom to preach the gospel. I have a wonderful job and, and friends. and fa Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand that maybe people have an a, a attachment to their home nation. And I certainly do. But that's not my primary function here. Nor is it yours. Because most everybody in this room is probably not from England. Who's from, who's from Britain? Sheila, raise your hand. Lori, Doris. Y'all be outnumbered. <laughs> You're outnumbered, but the point is this. 
We're to live by the Spirit of God. But it's hard to in this world, isn't it? Do you always live by God's leading? I don't. Do we always do what we're supposed to do? I don't. But our goal and our purpose is to live by that Spirit because, because God's glory is at stake. The souls of people are at stake. And that has really come home to Lisa and I in this last year since we've been in the gym. And you know what the gym does for us? It puts us around people who are outside this church. Most of the time, I'm just around you people. And I like you people. Matter of fact, I love you people. But I can't tell you about Jesus, can I? Because you know him. But all of a sudden now, God has put us a place where where they watch our every move. Someone, we were at Wimbledon the other day at night and training with the Wimbledon group over there. And Lisa said, oh, I'm going to complain about this. She was joking. And Martin, who's the head coach over there and our general manager at the gym, he goes, oh, Lisa, I have never once since I've met you and Steve, ever heard you complain or moan or gripe about anything? And just at least jokingly looked at him and said, uh, you should come and spend some time at our house and you can hear some more of that. But the point is this, people are watching you, aren't they? I will get to some more text in a minute, but I just, I just we need to know that we just don't, oh, you know, the Bible says live by the Spirit. Folks, we've got to live by the Spirit. We have to. There's so much at stake in the honor of God and what He did for us in saving us. Do we not want to love Him back by how we live? I mean, look at the blessing when we walk in the Spirit. Look, before Jesus, there was a lot of things I was not. Before Jesus, I didn't have joy. Before Christ, I was not a very loving person. My mom and my dad struggled with me to no end. They contemplated actually sending me away as a teenager to, to a place where I could be confined and kind of like a military school type thing because I was so angry and so uh, aggressive, there was no love in me. I had no patience. I had no, I had no uh, gentleness inside my soul. I, I, I wasn't meek. There was nothing like that. But the Bible says something, that when we become a Christian and we're indwelt by the Spirit of God, we are to walk in the guidance of that Holy Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to cultivate in us His temperament. Now, go in your Bibles, open your Bibles to Galatians 5, I think it's verse 22 and 23. Would someone like to read these verses? Anybody? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. If you get it, raise your hand if you'd like to read it. If not, I'm going to call on an unsuspecting individual, so you better be prepared. Anybody who would like to read Galatians 5, 22 and 23? Jacoby. Because he, he's looking at me like I don't want to do it. 
So Jacoby, read them up real loud. Do you see what being led by God's Spirit produces in our life? That's character changing, is it not? That's personality changing. That is, that's life changing. Listen, this is why we can be such salt and light to our world around us. Because when Christ comes in, you and I, we become different people as we walk in the leading of his Holy Spirit. So, you can look at it this way. As a result of the Spirit of God living inside of you and I, and us walking or being guided by the, 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 the Spirit of God in us, here's what is produced. He creates in us love for others. He creates in us a joy a satisfaction that is not given to us by materialist, material, material things of this world. It's not given to us by accomplishments in this world. Joy is not happiness. It is a deeper, meaningful satisfaction of, inner, of your inner person that is attained by relationship in Jesus Christ. He creates that joy when we are guided by His Spirit. Peace. An inner peace. It's, pro it's got this idea that before Jesus, we are at enmity with God. You remember what the Bible says? We are at a distance with God. We are actually in war with the living God because of our sin. But when we are saved and indwelt by the Spirit of God, and we are being guided, submitting, yielding ourselves to that spirit, we have peace. A peace that passes understanding. A peace that is only given to us by God. A peace that you and I cannot attain by anything that we do. Patience. I often hear people pray about patience. I don't know about you, but when I hear people pray for patience, I, I quiver. Don't you? I shake. Because do you know what brings patience, anybody? What brings patience into your life? Uh-huh. Say that louder, Hannah, because they can hear it. Trials. Sufferings. Hardships. That is what brings patience into a person's life. But when we are saved and we're walking in His Spirit... Those things will create patience that God builds in our life. I, I keep thinking of Romans 8.28. Does anybody know what Romans 8.28 says? Renee, you're on the spot. Romans 8.28. Done. That's right. Very good. I'm going to miss you when you're in rehab, Renee. I might have to put you on Skype or something so that you can communicate to us. Do you hear what he said? All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. That is the 
spirit-led man or woman of God, patience, all of those circumstances can create good and godly things in our life. You know, Emily and Stephen have had some difficulty at Liberty University with their finances. Uh, due to, you know, having to, it's, it's very difficult in, in living outside of the states when their university is in America and they're doing all their stuff online. It, it's a lot harder to get things back and forth, finances, tax documents, and all that kind of stuff, right, guys? And, you know, they're like, you know, Dad, I got to get this paperwork in and my bill's due and we don't have this yet. And it takes forever for the processes to work because they don't do it by electronic device. It's all done by mail. So we request a document from them. It takes a couple of weeks to get here. And then we fill it out. We got to mail it back to them. It takes another. It takes time. And, and all this time, they're panicking a little bit, aren't you? They're not admitting it now because <laughs> Emily goes, a little bit? <laughs> They're panicking. And you know what? I said, don't worry about it. it. It'll be okay. We'll get it done. But you know what God is doing? If they'll trust the Lord, and as they trust the Lord, God's working patience in their life. God's working other characteristics in their life. Faithfulness. Trusting God. Self-control, not freaking out, not going spastic. Yeah, we're still working on that. Emily's looking at me. Not going spastic. You know, all those things. Do you see? Do you see? Listen, the Spirit of God, you walk in the Spirit of God, you, you be led by the Spirit of God, and look what God builds in your life. Do a self-evaluation. What are you short on of? What are you lacking in your life? Are there some thing la things lacking? Because guess what? This verse is not called the fruits of the Spirit. It is called the fruit of the Spirit. So look at it this way. Um, I'll, I'll pick Dorian. Uh, is, it, is it Dorian? The Filipino fruit? The stinky fruit. Durian. Durian, right? Durian. We um, went. We were in London the other day, and we saw the hugest durian. It was about like this big. Oh, jackfruit! All right, let's take jackfruit. That sucker must have weighed like twenty kilos, man. It was massive. But here's what this verse is: It is one big jackfruit. It is the jackfruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you go and buy the jackfruit, it, you don't buy it by the piece there at this place. You buy the whole thing. The whole thing is that. So Christian, listen. You know how we are light and salt to this world? You know how we can be Christ-like where we live, where we work, where we play? It's by walking in the Spirit. Because when we walk in the Spirit, we won't fall into our temptations. We won't be overcome by our temptations. When we're walking in the Spirit, we will, we will subdue the fiery darts of Satan. Can we pull up? I just got to make sure the reference is right. 1 Peter.
the reference is totally blanked my mind. Where's the verse that when the, when the devil goes around as a roaring lion? Oh, no. Um, okay, two things. You know when Satan's going around as a roaring lion, seeking him whom he may devour? What do you do to quench those fiery darts? You put on the whole armor of God. How do you see? What is Satan? Satan is like a roaring lion. He goes after whom he can devour. Do you know what? He goes after weak prey. He goes after people who are not walking in the Spirit, who do not have the fullness of the armor of God on, or who are giving in a little bit. Because we're all pr prone to that, aren't we? We're all possibly... Uh, look, we all have good days and bad days, don't we? Some days we walk in strong in the Lord. Some days we're, we're maybe using our Zimmer frame in the Lord and we're struggling a little bit. But the key is this. Satan never stops, so neither are we. We are to stand in such a way that will quench the fiery darts of Satan. And the way we do that is by putting on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual things, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Because of that, Ephesians uh, 6 says, Therefore, because of the wrestling that we fight in this life, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So Christian, here's what we do. We're in this life. We are called to give God glory. We are called to be salt and light where we live, work, and play. We're called to, to, be, to have an impact on our world. You know, people want to be world changers. Um, you think of world changers. You think of people, and I can't remember their names, but dudes who like, made penicillin. And came came up with uh, life saving techniques. Uh, you you think of the dude that created Apple, right? What's it, Steve Jobs, right? You think of him. Oh, he's a world changer. 